All right. It's Blair and Barker for uh, Wednesday. Uh, we are your pregame show leading up to the Jason Pods at the Rogers Center. 707 first pitch, Jose Barrios against you, Darvish. Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk after the Jays win. Um, wasn't the case last night, of course. They lost 9 1. Uh, I thought that Alec Manoa took a big step back, basically because he was facing major league hitters this time compared to the Detroit Tigers. Um, Ross Atkins did his media availability earlier today, and we'll we'll break it down in a little more detail. But he kind of he kind of poo pooed that and said you have to look at the wider body of work, which includes going back to to last year. And I kind of respectfully disagree <laughs> because I think the Alec Manoa we saw last year. Certainly not the Alec Manoa we saw this year. Nonetheless, Kevin, before we move on to Ross's availability, uh, your thoughts about last night's 9-1 loss, and, and not so much about the loss because it's... It's, it's baseball. Their, it's baseball. their team was better than your team. It happens. Yeah, and, and their lineup, I mean, their lineup can do damage, and their lineup did damage. All of that aside, all of that aside, Alec Manoa, 10-3 ball counts, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. it took him 41 pitches to get through the first inning. And I know that Malachi Moore, Stakes I know it's, he's, 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 he's not a very he's good home plate good, umpire. He's a minor league umpire. Right. Well, That's what they look okay, like. In well, the anyhow, leagues. anyhow, uh, he missed a, uh, he missed a pitch. Uh, Juan Soto Pitches. hit a home run. Pitches. All right. I'm just telling you. Juan Soto hit a home run on the 24th pitch of the first inning. And um, it was a two-two changeup. That was the twenty-fourth really pitch of the first. That was a really inning. good pitch. If you want to get, if you if if you want to get a call, I, be around the boy, strike zone. You are begging. Um, well, I mean, no, that's I'm a first. Saying. That's a first inning. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it does matter. Doesn't matter. It does matter. Doesn't matter. You get calls later in games because you've been really mm. good at hitting one spot with certain pitches. That's Anyhow, how let's just pitches. say this: Malachi Moore was lousy for both teams too. There you so go, they, they, the Jays exactly did right. not. The Jays did not lose because of him. Uh, he was atrocious. He, he was a tr- no. He 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 was not good. No. Anyhow, uh, Alec Manoa, five walks, no strikeouts. Uh, what is he? Four innings, three innings, three innings. Your thoughts? I I don't know what the expectations. He's were going, going to make. Let's just say this: he is going to make his next start. So the idea is send him down to triple. No, he's going to make his next start. I think they're in win mode. I think you have. Uh, two spots available. You have three guys fighting for it. Right. That's Yusei Kikuchi. That's Alec Manoa. That's that's Hun Jin Ryu. Kikuchi starts Friday at AAA. No, no, Ryu does. I'm sorry. Ryu, Ryu starts, starts on Friday. Right. Ryu starts Friday. There's a chance that he joins the Jays in their next road trip. I would say a pretty good chance. And um, as Kevin as, as Kevin pointed out on Blue Jays talk last night, I think. It, I think it's very clear right now. Like, I understand that there's talk about the trade deadline and and how this has clouded things. No, it's a competition right now. Three dudes for two spots. Loser, I hate to say you don't care, but let's look at this. Ryu's gone at the end of the year. He's a free agent. Uh, Kikuchi's got another year left in his contract. He has gone into the bullpen before. And Manoa, uh, I mean, you want Alec Manoa ready for 2024. And the decision is does what's best for him in concert with what's best for the team. So essentially what I'm saying is 
we're at the point now in the season where the winner gets the winner gets the start, and me, the other guys you worry about let, that when it when it happens. Let me ask you a question: Manoa going to the bullpen would it work? No, no. I'm I do not believe. I don't believe a guy who needs 41 pitches to get through an inning is a guy. Now, I will say this. Okay, no, I will take that back. Could he go to the bullpen and be the last guy in the bullpen? Could he be the guy who does what Mitch White is doing right now? You know, sort of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, they're not going to bring him in I to guess. face one, two, three in the seventh no, no, inning. That's not what they're going to use. Wouldn't it, it make if more they would sense, put him in there. Kevin? Wouldn't it make more sense if 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 he has another subpar start? Wouldn't it make more sense to send him back down to triple to, to send him to triple A as opposed to just kind of, oh yeah, whatever. We'll punt on him. I, I, it is, it's, it's, it is a puzzle. It is a puzzle, and it's complicated by the fact that. Everything uh, we've heard from people who watched him pitch is complicated by the fact that Hyunjin Ryu looks yeah, pretty good. Now, remember, minor leagues, you only got one more month minor about leagues, left in this season here. That, so just send him down to do point. what? Like, I, you know, you send him down the well, complex where you can no, shut the gate and nobody can see no, him again. Maybe, saying, that's no, what maybe you, you send him down to AAA and then he goes to the complex to continue working on it. But bottom line is if he can't, <clears throat> if he can't contribute as a starter, I, I, why would you put him in the rotation? Yeah, I mean, the if, any, the, if anything, that does more damage to him than sending him down to the minors and saying pitch. Yeah, I'm almost in the camp where right now it's more <clears throat> about the team than it is Alec Manoa. Uh, the, that, that's where you're at, right? I, the, 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 the team has clawed to figure out how to be the second wild card team. Yeah, I respectfully disagree. Well, I, go, I, you can do what you you can say what you want. We've we've already you've already said that it's a competition between yes, three guys. But the I, best two are going to pitch. But I don't, you just said that. Yeah, but I also don't like the idea that, well, whatever, if Alec Manoa doesn't get it, we'll just kind of forget about him. And No, I'm saying... Uh, well, you're not uh, saying he's uh, not a part of your future, no, but you're saying you have a team... Well, exactly, but here's the thing. To get where they've, but here's the they're thing. At right now. If a guy is part of your future, you, you don't just say, go away, go on vacation for four months, get back to us in, in January. I mean, you've, you've got to take that into account. And you know these guys will. You know this... Or, I mean, this organization... They won't tell you what time of day it is without having nine people involved in it. So you know that there's going to be some some thought given to that. But yeah, listen, it, it's it's to me it's pretty clear. And if you ask me, of those three, who could go to the bullpen and contribute in a good sense? I'm not saying go to the bullpen and just pitch garbage innings like Mitch White's pitching right now. It would be Kikuchi. Yeah, and they did say that if they were going out to get another piece in the pen, it would be left-handed. Well, as you yeah. say, Kikuchi left-handed, Bingo. and does he throw hard? Maybe he'd throw harder, you know, simplifying it and be a two-pitch guy. That's only if Alec Manoa can give you a somewhat of a decent start. I'm not even saying a quarter right. start. Right. Somewhat of a decent yes. start, not going to blow yes. up your pen yeah. to where you, you have to use you say Kikuchi to be a follower. Alec Manoa, That's I mean, we're talking not what about, you want. We're talking about Alec Manoa being a fifth starter. We're talking about him doing what he did against the Tiger. Maybe five and fly is good enough. Five and fly is fine. Uh, if you're getting what you're getting out of the rest of the rotation. Now, we're going to be joined by Shai DeVito later on in the show, which will be important because one thing we have not talked about yet is Kevin Gossman was doing a side session today. I, well, I was told that he's okay. making his start. There like you go. He, he is. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's, he they're, was, they're, they're doing it to make sure okay. a thousand percent. All right. He was bounced from his last start because of a side issue. Of course, he was chosen to go and, and didn't go to the all-star game. So um, that kind of gets you caught up to now. Ross Atkins did his, I guess it's kind of his bi-weekly media, media availability today. And, he does uh, it once a week? 
Once every two weeks, pretty much. Once every two weeks, I think, depending on the schedule, depending on the road or anything. No, 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 that's, sorry, that's wrong, because I've been at at least three of them, and I've been here a lot of the time. No, he does a lot. He does media availabilities. Maybe once every three weeks, once every two weeks. So I'm interested to hear it. Well, let's let's go to that. It was a a wide-ranging discussion with the uh, Blue Jays beat reporters today, which you heard uh, live on uh, fan, on, on, uh, I guess it was fan drive time with Ailish and uh, Justin. Um, so, but, but let's break it down, uh, because he did cover a lot of ground. The first area, something we've just talked about is Alec Manoa, uh, what his read on is on, what his read on Alec Manoa is and what the return of Manoa and Ryu, what type of an impact that may have on him and on the team as we move towards the August 1st trade deadline. It's a good alternative, right, that we have, or a good option that we have some depth internally that, um, you know, we feel very strong about their, their track records, some of the playoff experiences, um, you know, some of the just overall experiences as, as very, very good performers. Uh, but we have to, and we're certainly optimistic that we're going to have them as options, but we also have to plan for in the event that we don't, if someone has a setback, uh, performance or injury, but that's the case for everyone. So uh, you can never have enough pitching, as they say. So we have to contingency plan, but having that as a starting point is a, a good place to be. Actually, you can have enough pitching. Sometimes, though, it's just bad. Um, well, that's true. You can you can have. I mean, you're going to tell me that Mitch White isn't too much pitching right now? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that was Ross Atkins, the general manager. Uh, of the Jays talking about uh, the return of Alec Manoa and Jin Ryu, and of course looking ahead to the trade deadline. Uh, a suggestion, I think, that in terms of priority right now, adding another starting pitcher isn't high on the list. But if all three of those options, if, if Ryu can't make it work, if Alec Manoa is what he is right now, if Alec Manoa is what you saw last night, and if you say if you say Kikuchi is just sort of kind of a slightly a slight version of what he is when he's not that good, you may have to fear the Blue Jays pivot, and you may have to add another starting pitcher of some description. Of course, if you do that, um, you know you're 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 taking away from some of the other things you can do. And of course, this also raises the whole point about a six man rotation, which we've talked about. Your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, look, I think we it's going to play itself out, and the two guys that are pitching are going to tell the organization which way they need to go. Ryu could make a start in the big leagues before August the 1st. Uh, Alec Manoa will make another start before August 1st. They will determine on what and, they have to do going forward. I mean, and they do simple. have to make this gets back to that competition yeah, thing. Yeah, they do. Uh, Ryu's option, his injury rehab option, runs out, I believe, August 2nd or 3rd. It does, 2nd, so, I believe. 2nd. So they have to make a decision there. Yeah. Chad Green, by the way, is pitching. That might uh, be the Saturday. biggest name out of all of them. Well, that is, I, I, I think it might be. Yeah. Uh, Ross Atkins was asked about the trade deadline and kind of. Suggest No, he didn't kind of suggest. He suggested that their first priority, he suggested they like their lineup and the first priority is whatever addition they make, not necessarily subtracting from the current lineup. Thinking about how to potentially upgrade 
uh, is is really difficult when you also believe in the people that are here and the and that they're going to continue to have progress and and make strides. We certainly don't need um, significant upticks. You've seen recently with just some of the more timely hitting, which we know in in some cases can be very much luck driven, um, but. You can't fall back on that, of course. So we believe in this group so much that making it better, um, we have to work to do. Um, hard to do without some level of subtraction, but we do think there's a way to add a little bit of offense to the team without having to subtract anyone. And on the pitching side, I think every team in contention is trying to add a reliever. Um, and then every team in contention is trying to add some level of starting pitching depth. So there's different ways to do that. Um, I think we're in a relatively strong position, but we need to work to improve upon it. As okay. Well. Before we jump in that, I want to play, because there's another clip as well, where he's asked about his assessment of the trade market and what's available out there. So, uh, Andrew, if you could play that clip, then Kevin and I can break them both down. You know, when you're in the the buy mode, it never feels robust, (laughs) you know, especially as you start to peel back the layers and, um, you know, look under the hood. You know, you're looking for perfect at this point. And if you are going to strike on perfect, you're going to pay a huge premium. So what we see are ways to make our team better. We've identified those. We've expressed interest to other teams. We feel like there will be opportunities to do so. All right. Um, interesting. If if you needed any clarity, the Jays are obviously buyers, um, which, which is no surprise given where we are right now. Um, I will say this. General managers, most of the time, the good general managers won't tip their hands two weeks before the trade deadline about what they're going to do. I mean, it's obvious, though. But it's... I almost get the impression, I'm going to be very careful how I, how I phrase this, but I get the impression there's more on the table than people may think when it comes to what the Jays are looking for. Um, you mean the names bigger than what we've been talking I, about? I, yeah. That, that's, well, I mean, I don't know if the names, what I'm saying, I, I think the Jays, I think the Jays are, are, are going to be, they are going to be very aggressive at this trade deadline. And my sense is that there are more things on the table than we're thinking. Look, I mean, clearly, Bo, Vladdy, Springer, uh, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not going anywhere. Uh, I mean, that, that, that goes without saying. You've got your starting pitching. Your starting pitching's locked up. It's not going anywhere. The bullpen, for the most part, I don't, I don't know what you'd get for it anyhow. But uh, as as I said, I really do think there's a chance when the trade deadline passes that Dalton Varsha and Brandon Belt aren't everyday players. I think there's a real chance. I don't pretend to know who's going to come in in place of them. But this gets back to, especially in the case of Varsha, this gets back to the fact that this team is about winning. And yeah, Dalton Varsha is a great defensive outfielder, but he's got to do something for me offensively other than drop a bunt down when you're down 6-1 late in the game. Um, and, and, and that doesn't mean you throw him aside. He's still a very important part of this team. It's entirely possible that he ends up starting in center field at some point in games this year. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, guys who aren't necessarily back next year, Kiermaier, uh, uh, Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield, thank you. Kiermaier, Merrifield, not necessarily back next year. I, I think that there may be a chance. Again, you're not, as, as Ross says, you're not going to subtract. You're not going to trade dudes and make your team worse. 
But if somebody's got to have Whit Merrifield. Okay, Whit, with Whit. They are 15th in runs. They are 10th in total bases. They are 11th in slugging. They are 22nd in yeah. average with right. runners in scoring position. They are 18th in home runs. It's not good enough. No. Like you can, we can spin it and be nice about it and say it and try and sugarcoat this, that, and the other just by reading those numbers and listening to Ross talk. Yeah, I think there's, it's not good enough. No, well, and 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 this is the thing. <clears throat> I, I look at guys, Varsho and Kirk in particular. They are what they are this year. This is a large sample size now. It's July nineteenth. Yeah, I guess you there sort are, folks, of are what you are. You are what, what you saying. are right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean this is what you're going to be in 20. I Listen, I've said this. I don't think, I think Dalton Varshall is going to be a good player for this team going Just forward. Just don't start the season hitting cleanup. How about that? Um, but, so that was Ross Atkins' assessment of the trade market. This is kind of interesting. He was asked about trading for a rental player and that there are players out there who are eligible for free agency at the end of the year. Uh, and, of course, the numero Cody uno, the, the, yeah, Cody Bellinger, mm-hmm. and, of course, Shohei Otani as well. But Cody Bell, Bellinger, Marcus Stroman, the, these are guys who are rentals. This was uh, his question, or I'm sorry, Ross Atkins' answer to a question about whether or not he's willing to trade for a rental player. We've always been willing to, you know, move on a rental, depending on, you know, whether it's two months or a year and a half. I'm There's some, like a pure rent. yeah, so just a two month. And we've done that, obviously, in years past and had some success there. So um, absolutely open to that. Um, you know, paying the absolute premium for two months of a player to say yes or no on is too difficult to do. I mean, just like, yes, we're open to it. But, but are you referring to would we trade from the top of our system for two months of a player it's just you can't answer that specifically right but But we're open to it sure all right that's interesting uh it doesn't not surprising but interesting i also want to play the next clip because he's asked about ross atkins is asked about whether or not he'll he'll be able to add salary at the deadline the jays are a luxury tax team and we've talked about this in this trade market the ability to add salary even though we're only talking about two months of a salary take a bad the ability to take a bad contract on yeah, yeah. to get what you want or to pay uh to 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 pay part of a contract you have you're trading to another team in order to get something you want that's and that is to to borrow a word ross atkins uses all the time I mean, that's powerful it is there's a lot of currency Money in this talks. marketplace for that this was Ross Atkins' answer to the question about the possibility of adding, adding salary at the deadline. Yeah, we've never, we've never, we have had just the, from day one, uh, just incredible support. And uh, our job is to make sure that we are um, very responsible with that support. Is that a a yes? Yeah, we've never, you know, if we have an opportunity that we feel is the appropriate opportunity, we we present it and, you know, we have the agility to be able to have that quick of an interaction. And, uh, I mean, this gets back to the success that Mark Shapiro, the president of the team, has had navigating navigating the corporate structure uh, around the Blue Jays. Uh, look, I'm not going to speak for ownership because I really like my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly doesn't sound as if uh, as it, it sounds as if if there is a deal that requires somebody to sign off on it. Uh, it certainly sounds as if the the, the Jays are prepared to to at least I, go that route and I, approach. I think he did a really good it. job of of saying a little. And making you think about a lot. Because yeah. I was, I'm not real sure by listening to that, 
which way he's willing to go. Like, are you? The question, uh, uh, no, the question is, I think I know which way he's willing to go. The question isn't about him. The question is about, is about ownership. It's intriguing. Like, it's not. And again, I don't, look, Ross Atkins, he's not going to come out and say, guys, this is what we're going to do. All right. When I'm done with you guys, I'm going to talk to the Padres about uh, Juan Soto. And, and no general manager is going to be open like that. Not even off the record. Well, J.P. Ricciardi sometimes it was, but not even off the record will a general manager be that open. But but there is there is that suggestion out there that there is still some wiggle room, which probably isn't surprising. Again, you've got a team that's already at the luxury tax. You've got a team that's losing, sorry, not losing, but you've got a team that's going to shed payroll automatically next year. If you don't pick up Whit Merrifield's option, uh, if, if Ryu goes, I think you're still paying for Randall Gritchick, if I'm not mistaken. I think that goes off the book. Uh, you know, I mean, if you don't bring Kiermaier back, I mean, there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways that if you're the Jays, you can get under the luxury tax next sure. year. Um, that was intriguing because, as I said, it, you know, that the ability to add payroll is just is I, so important. I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued on how they handle Manoa. If Manoa has a stinker in his next start, like what do you, what do you do? What do they do? You know they're 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 saying the right things. John said the right thing. Ross said the right thing. Danny Jansen last night after the game said the right thing. Yeah. They're all, they all have his back. Is it a performance driven? Is it more about the team? I've said this to. I've been on some decent teams in the big leagues, and this time of the year, it's not about feelings. It's not about individual players. It's about the team that's gotten you where you're at now, and. Listening to him talk, and mm. I would certainly think it's it's about that. It's about winning, and it's about taking the best players down the stretch to try and help you win. I, I'm intrigued by all this because, again, I, I whenever he talked there, I was thinking one thing, and then he said something else, and now I was thinking something else. So he did a very good job there sort of walking the tightrope, I think. The East Division, of course, is a is a bear this year. Uh, it's tightening up. The Rays have stopped running away from the rest of the division. The Orioles, they've, I think, are showing signs that they're still a young team, and they, that they and need pitching. They need, that's and what, they certainly need pitching. But Ross was asked about whether or not the the the, the fact that the division has tightened up uh, a little bit means that there's more incentive at the deadline. And he was also asked what position makes the most sense to improve at deadline. So let's play those two clips together, and then we can we can break that down. Every piece of information matters, and the next two weeks matter. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, we're, we've been encouraged by this team all year. The outcomes um, maybe don't match our excitement or, encourage, or how encouraged we are. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't want to speak for fans that might be similar, um, but we believe in this team, we believe in this group, and we want to make it better. Right now, as we're constructed, we are, um, you know, better better suited for a right-handed bat. But we are open to any way that we can make our team better. Um, so, <clears throat> but I, I think there might be a slight lean to a right-handed bat, and we have the benefit of not necessarily thinking that has to play a certain position because of the versatility that we have with Cavan. Our show with obviously. Uh, Ross would also go on to say later, by the way, that uh, a left-handed reliever is something they would be looking for. Uh, at the, which, you know, whether that could be Alec Lang, the the, the kid from Detroit. Um, 
But the Jays, if they were to add another reliever, would probably look toward adding a lefty just because right now Tim Mays is the only lefty they have. Kikuchi goes in the bullpen. He's a lefty, obviously. And uh, Eric Swanson and Trevor Richards are both effective against lefties. But, you know, we've already talked about Eric Swanson. He's logged, <clears throat> he's logged a lot of innings. Veteran right-handed bat. Uh, doesn't really matter the position. I found that extremely interesting because, again, that suggests something that I've talked about that um, – when the trade deadline passes, there is a chance that the everyday lineup of the Blue Jays looks different. That doesn't mean that they're going to bring Shohei Otani in. That might mean it's somebody else. I mean, you mentioned a dude like Hunter Renfro or something like that. I mean, uh, there, there are a lot of ways the Jays can go about, you know, a lot of ways the Jays can go about doing this. But it does make me think that there are a couple of guys in this lineup who are going to see their playing time decreased uh, as, as a result of this. And it was interesting because I don't think we talk about this this enough. We talk about how versatile a lot of the Jays players are. If you have a deal out there that gives you a, for whatever, a good everyday second baseman, like just a guy you need to have who makes your team better, then you got wit in the outfield. Platooning with Varsho. Yeah. Maybe. Um I found that, real, that, that, that interesting. Really, there was no... The, the only door, I think, that was kind of closed and no one asked, and that's because of Jordan Romano's. I don't think anybody's thinking, would you upgrade at reliever? Which I think last year, a lot of people thought could that be a possibility. Yeah, but other way, than that, I think a lot of things are a lot of things well, are at play. Well, I, I think that that conversation would have changed if Kevin Gossman would have went the, the opposite direction than... From what I've told, it, that he's going down, yeah. he's going to make his start. Well, in Seattle. and this is all. Like, this all depends a, on health. I, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Vladdy gets it in the hand tonight. I mean, we're, you know, a- absolutely. I, I, I just think you, you look at parts of the Blue Jays' game. Their rotation in the playoffs is good enough to win a series. Their bullpen with Chad Green being a somewhat Chad Green that was with the Yankees. I'm not even saying the the best of Chad Green, mm. but somewhat right can give you a different mix is good enough. The lineup, is it good enough? You, can, you can't you can look somebody right in the face and say the lineup's good enough to, to win a playoff series. Nope. Right now, this one. So he's telling you, I think, basically, that he needs to go out. If that's left-handed or right-handed, they're trying to find the best one. Yeah, they, want somebody that would, they want somebody that would crush left-handed pitching. And by the way, I, I would suggest this. You, just, you don't have to be a right-handed hitter to do that. Just look at what Cody Bellinger is doing this year against left-handed pitching. Well, he so. would look nice hitting second, and you could put your boy hitting cleanup. I'm just saying. It would look nice. Jim Callis, the senior writer with MLB Pipeline. The Jays have signed their first-round draft pick, or their first draft pick, Arjun Namala. We'll get Jim's thoughts on that. We'll get his thoughts on Arelvis Martinez being promoted to AAA. And how the industry views the Blue Jays' farm system overall. All that ahead, Bob Scanlon, Padres broadcaster, joins us from the broadcast booth. Shai Davidi as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we've got Blue Jays tickets to give away. We'll do that later on in the show. Uh, Bob Scanlon, Padres broadcaster, will join us in the broadcast booth. Shai Davidi as well. 7.07 first pitch tonight. The Jays and the Padres game two of this three-game series. A reminder, tomorrow's first pitch is 107. Mr. Barker and myself 
will be on uh, from 5 to 7 tomorrow. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk uh, tonight as well. Well, you know that the Toronto Blue Jays have signed their first-round draft choice, 20th overall in the recent MLB draft, Arjun Namala, uh, an infielder, a high school infielder from Florida. Uh, it was 20th pick overall. He signed for under slot at three point, at, sorry, three million, three point seven million was yep. the slot figure. Do we say? Yep. So he signed under slot uh, by seven hundred thousand dollars, which of course will allow the Blue Jays to take that money and use it elsewhere. Jim Callis, a senior writer with MLB Pipeline and MLB.com, and uh, he's our go-to guy for anything related to prospects and minor leagues. We're very pleased that, uh, well, he's our go-to guy anyhow because he's Absolutely. a good guy. We're very pleased that Jim Callis joins us. Jim, thanks so much for joining Barker and myself. You uh, know we appreciate your time, and I know that uh, this is a busy a busy time of year for you. Um, so what are the Jays getting in this kid? Yeah, he's really interesting. Uh, you know, he's... You know, for teams that care about age, he's one of the younger guys in the draft. But uh, he's kind of a, a athletic power over hit shortstop with solid speed. You know, could be a a twenty twenty guy. Um, probably stays as shortstop. I mean, if everything comes together, we could be talking plus tools across the board. And I believe if he makes it to the big leagues, he would be the first player of Indian descent to get to the majors. Jim, why is the seventeen year old thing so intriguing for? <laughs> teams to to get these young guys like this. I'm going to blame it on Mike Trout. It's because Mike Trout was 17 <laughs> when he signed. No, seriously. Yeah. I, I think I think talent's talent. And, like, look, if it's a tiebreaker, fine. But there are teams that won't draft a 19-year-old high school guy. And I'm not saying the Blue Jays are one of them. And there are teams that put an emphasis on trying to find, you know, 17 or very young 18-year-old high school kids. And I think part of it, all over simplified here, is if, you know, you do a draft study, any study that, you know, Mike Trout shows up in is going to skew it because Mike Trout by himself – his production is worth the equivalent of like 12 or 15 first round, good first-round picks all by himself. That's how good he is. And, look, yeah, if you had two guys who were equal, I could see where you'd want the younger guy. But, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. was 19. Where your team's not going to draft him. Brett Beatty was 19. You know, back in the day, Manny Ramirez was 19. There have been a lot of good 19-year-old high school players. And the draft's hard enough before you start limiting yourself demographically. Oh, we're not going to take, you know, a 19-year-old high schooler. We're not going to take a pitcher in the top 10 picks or whatever. you got to just take the most talented players. But, but it, it is another point in his favor for a lot of clubs that he won't be 18 until October. Huh. Is, it, is it easier to... Let me figure out how to refer, how to phrase this. Is it easier to draft a young kid, a young high school kid from North America, than it is to to scout and sign, let's say, a seventeen year old player from the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico, because you know he played in a high school in North America and he would have been exposed to a lot of things and probably traveled a great deal. Is there any is is there any distinction there in your mind? Yeah, 100%. It's easier to feel like you feel better. I mean, you're still projecting these guys way into the future. You know, you're not, you're not drafting Arjun Amala based on what he is today. You're, it's based on what you think he's going to be five years down the road. But for these high school kids, and they get on the showcase circuit, and they play all over the country, and they face the best high school competition and see quality pitching, 
um, you feel much better about that. Like a lot of the international guys are younger. I mean, the international guys, you're not signing. I mean, you're officially signing them when they're 16. Correct. But, yeah. like, you're committing to them when they're 13 or 14 years old, and you're not really seeing them play games against quality competition. So, I mean, you're, like, really projecting a ton with those kids. I mean, no, obviously, look, there's a lot of those guys who wind up being good big leaguers, too. But that's I, – I, I've never had to cover that, and I, I don't know how people project 13- and 14-year-olds. It's, it's unbelievable to me. Where do you think he'll uh, – again, this is a highly uh, – objective question here subjective objective whatever um it's one of the two i can never remember what do you think when it's all said and done he would likely figure in the jays uh top 10 prospects list yeah you know so i don't do that list personally so it's not my call but like you know look at our list as is now i think he might be number two on the list Mm -hmm. i mean ricky tiedemann has been hurt but he's accomplished some things and had some success as high as double a but you know i think namala probably a little bit better prospect or probably club probably i think he's probably a little bit higher more highly regarded in a deeper draft than brandon barrera was last year and you know brandon barrera has barely pitched so I, i think he might wind up being Mm-hmm. number two on on the list when, when we update it in a, in a couple of weeks. Jim, I don't want to get too in-depth with asking these questions about how do you go and scout a, a young kid, but I can remember when I was scouted, even trying to put a wooden bat in my hand, it looked different. Aluminum, wooden bat, right? The, the ball's going further, like it's back spinning. Like There's just a different look to it. What is the first thing when a scout goes to look at a young kid like this to say that they want to give him a bunch of money in the first round? What's the first thing they look at? Um, I think it's a couple things. I think you're looking at the body and how you think the body's going to develop and the athleticism and the quickness, um, you know, the swing mechanics. I mean, you can adjust, you know, you can make swing adjustments, but, you know, easier said than done. It's not just a simple fact like, hey, we need to switch this. But I think you're looking at, you know, things like bat speed and, and quick twitch athleticism in a lot of cases. I mean, for the high school kids, honestly, if you are a, let's say, hit-over-athlete type guy where your bat's promising, but you're not up-the-middle player, you're not particularly athletic, those guys almost always wind up going to college and prove themselves at that level before they get paid. Um, you know, if you're athletic, you've got a, a much better chance of, of getting paid out of high school. In your mind, Jim, did the, did, when you look at some of the later draft draft picks by the Jays. Did, uh, did did they, on balance, find pretty strong value in the later rounds? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's always interesting. You can always kind of dream on some of these later picks. I mean, the guy who stands out the most, look, they paid a million and a half for him, so it wasn't like he was cheap. But their fourth rounder, Landon Marutis, the high school kid from Florida, six foot three, super athletic, um, right-handed pitcher. I think he's got a chance to be really, really good. Uh, you know, he's up to 96 already. You know, he can still get stronger. Um, good fastball metrics. Teams that like that type of stuff. He's got feel for a changeup. He's got a kind of a spike curveball that, that's work in progress. Um, you know, I, I think that he's he's the one that jumps out the most. I mean, you got some interest in. You got a Canadian kid. His dad played briefly in the big leagues, and Connor O'Halloran, who's you know like a guy. He's it's not a high ceiling guy. It's more of a floor guy who can really, really, really pitch with kind of average stuff. But had a lot of success at Michigan, where he's a Big Ten Conference Pitcher of the Year. I kind of like Jace Borfin in the sixth round. I, I think for a guy who played well in the SEC, that's kind of a bargain. He's interesting. And, you know, another Canadian kid who, who's got some upside to him is Sam Shaw, the, the high school outfielder mm-hmm. they got in the 
in the ninth round. Um, you know, he's got you know he's better than your typical ninth rounder, and he was a little over slot, about a hundred thousand over slot, but not a a huge huge money guy. Uh, Relvis Martinez just got called up to AAA. Is, is that industry wide? Is that a big deal? Is that a good thing? Yeah, it is. Like he's a little bit of a hard one to figure out. I mean, yeah. he hit two hundred last year. I mean, he's hitting two twenty five this year. He's still super young. He's only twenty one years old. But I mean the power. I mean the power's there. He hit 30 homers last year. He hit 17 this year. He's drawn a lot more walks. Um, you know he is going to swing and miss, but he's cut it down some this year. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I, this is going to sound like he's something. I don't know exactly what it is. I mean the, the power and arm strength are really interesting, and he has made some strides with the plate, and he's still super young. Um, you know and. <sighs> You'd like to see him obviously hit better than 225 or whatever he was. Yeah, I think he had 226 in Double A, but I also think he'd been in Double A for a year and a half, and he did make some strides. And, and let's see what happens in Triple A. So it, it's kind of an interesting move. Um, you know, former top 100 prospect for us. He's not on the top 100 for us right now, but I mean, there aren't too many guys that young in Triple A one and two who have his kind of power. A uh, very quick question before we let you run. Uh, in general, what is the industry perception of the Jays' uh, minor league system? Um, I think it's kind of middle of the pack. I mean, it's taken a little bit of a ding with Tiedemann and Barrera kind of sideline. I mean, that hurts because those are the top two prospects on our list. But, you know, I mean, like I'm a big Tucker Tolman fan. you got some younger guys that are interesting. They just infuse some more talent. So I think it's it's kind of middle of the pack. I mean, they were stronger a couple of years ago, but they've obviously promoted. A lot of those guys have been promoted, and you're, and you're seeing, you know, Bobichette and, and Flat Jr. Mm-hmm. and those guys and, and uh, Biggio and Jansen and, um, you know, Kirk and – I'm probably forgetting guys off the top of my head. I mean, but they've produced a lot of talent in recent years. It's just it, it's a lot of that talent's in the big leagues right now. And, you know, they obviously trade some of it for Barrios too. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say probably middle of the pack right now. Jim, we're going to let you run. Grady, you to join us. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, take care, guys. See you later. Absolutely. Thanks. Jim Callis, senior writer, MLB Pipeline, MLB.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim Callis, MLB. Uh, and, uh, yeah, interesting hearing Jim talk about Arjun Mello. That's He's uh, not going to be 18 until he's... October. October. <laughs> I, there's, there's no way I could have done that. And, and I, was a, I was an athlete when I was younger. Did you have any shot at being no drafted way, at, a, not at, at a high school? Not really. I hadn't hit my or did growth you think? spurt yet. Or, okay. or, you know, mentally, I think, was the biggest now, spurt and you, that I needed to grow in and... Just be more of a man when it comes to being between the years. Being on my being on my own was a big th- deal. Going to college was a big deal for me. You so. were a pitcher, and you were a pitcher in high school as well. Right? I, yeah, pitcher in first yeah, baseman. I, I got a full ride to go to Virginia Tech as a pitcher That's and right. didn't pitch because the coach saw me going back Lake City and said, you ain't pitching. You're playing center and hitting third. So I played center and hit third. What was your reaction when he said that to you? Were you at all concerned? or Did you like pitching or did you prefer hitting? Yeah, I didn't. You didn't care. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really care. Like, yeah. I was just happy to be. I wanted to go to Virginia Tech. That was sort of my dream when I was growing up. And I'd actually, Chuck Hartman came to watch me play mm-hmm. a couple of high school games. And it was like the coolest thing, you know, I'd ever been a part of. And basically, whatever he would have told me to do, I'd have done. done. Yeah. Uh, time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Mr. Boffa, we, did we make some money last night? I, I mean, I believe uh, I called no. it right. Did I not? I called it right, I think. I mean. Did I take the under or the over? That's you took a, the under. Do you, I, do you know for sure? No, I don't, I don't know for sure. But I just assume that I probably got it right. What's uh, my record now? 
I'm uh, uh, I'm well ahead of Barker. Not, I don't know. It's not great. I think Barker is still very much I ahead think of you so here. Too, yes. Yeah. But uh, no, it wasn't a profitable night last night. We should go back to the Bundesliga things that we used to do. You know, do they have uh, Bundesliga Bundesliga odds? Bet Rivers. Yeah, I'm sure they. You do. can do those. Maybe what we'll do this week is we'll figure uh, yeah, out the so. uh, Bundesliga odds for the uh, the league table. Oh, I think that's a possibility. Anyhow, uh, sorry. Let's uh, let's wow. talk about let's is, talk huh? about today's offer. I think maybe we could do some Bundesliga. Good luck with that. Okay. I can't wait for that. Anyways, yeah, yeah. we got Get Padres Jays game two down at Rogers Center tonight. You oh. Darvish taking the mound for San Diego. Jose Barrios for the Jays. We're just looking for who's going to win today, boys. On the money line, are you taking Padres to take two of three to start the series, or will the Jays even it up? I'm less certain about this game than any of the three pitching matchups. Really? They don't like lefties. Snell's pitching tomorrow. Yeah, no, I, that's, yeah. I, I, looked I, like ahead, that I looked ahead to Blake Snell, and I thought, yeah. I don't like the Darvish thing kind of... either. Hey, what, what's the little kryptonite for this lineup? Mm-hmm. They way overthink it. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it is just not simple enough to see ball, hit ball. You, Darvish, has seven pitches. He's a very hard thrower. He will throw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. six sliders in a row. As much as I hate to say this, I'm taking the Padres. Uh, I think you're in, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm going with the Jays for simple reason. Jose Barrios, you know, lose at the Rogers center. Yeah. I'm okay with, Hey, Barrios is really good. 20, I'm with you. 22 and four record in his last 26 uh, starts at the Rogers center. hundred percent. Um, this is more about the lineup than it is about Jose Barrios. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm going with Jays. I, I mean, I think this is pretty easy. I, I think this is a pretty easy call. Uh, they just, they they play well in his starts at the Rogers Center. They win his starts at the Rogers Center. Uh, no-brainer. Okay, that's I'm going good. with Brios. I got a stat here, too. We, is it a good one, or just is it going to support what I said or support what Barker <laughs> said? Because if it's going to support what Barker said, I really don't want to hear it. It actually does support you, Jeff. Okay, so. come on. So you, uh, that's fine, then. Go ahead. Yeah, this is an unbiased show. I'm just giving the listeners facts show. here. You guys, you guys gang up on me all the time. I mean, you do. And it's getting to the point where I might just, I might have to say something. I mean, today was un- in- inexcusable, the amount of abuse I took, talking about compression socks and all this stuff, the amount of abuse I took in the office today. And I wasn't wearing compression socks. But the amount it of abuse. It was a question. That's what they The, the amount like. of abuse I took today was just not on. Anyhow. Okay, stat. Anyway. <laughs> the Blue Jays have won each of their last nine home games against NL opponents following a loss. So there you go. So even more so. Yeah, Darvish's ERA on the road is five and a half, too. I mean, his ERA at home just, is three just and a me, half. Can you just give me the money now? I, I just, the lineup and the, how many times he'd throw a secondary pitch to a bunch of right-handed you're hitters. You're overthinking it. You know I, what? Talk you, about you know, something like well, you're you know overthinking it, too. If I'm overthinking, overthinking this thing this just thing. by looking up stats, what do you think the Jays lineup's doing? You're overthinking it. Folks, Matt Chapman, right, right now, is walking through the clubhouse, flipping that finger on that iPad, going, "Look what Folks, you Folks, run out does. the mortgage, your kids' education fund, everything. Bet it. Bet on, bet on Jose Barrios tonight. Yeah, I, I, this is this. I, I'll say this. That was between the lines. Be the brought to you by Bet Rivers. By the way, it's a whole new game. That I Except hope when I'm Rios wrong. is pitching in Toronto. It's never a whole new game. It's a Jays win. I, I hope you're right, and I'm wrong. Um, hey, do we still have that uh, the, the Ross Atkins? clip about the Rogers Center, Andy? 
because this ties into what we just talked about with uh, with Jose Burrios and being so successful at the Rogers Center. I mean, look, it's... Uh, Have anything to do with their 18th and home runs? No, I was talking about... Does the, do the Jays have a handle yet on whether or not this is a hitter or a pitcher's park? Um, and, well, let's just hear what, because Russ Atkins was asked about. It's something we've talked about. I think we've got, I don't know if our read in the situation right now has more to do with the park than it does with this lineup. But this was Ross Atkins being asked about that. Nothing has really surprised me. I think there's... Um... You know, we haven't seen really much objectively. We look at every single ball that's hit to see whether it would have played differently in the past, and I'm sure a lot of you have done the same, and nothing has really jumped out. The biggest thing that has jumped out to me is the smiles on faces and fans, um, you know, enjoying the different experiences, being closer to players, and uh, I think our players feel that as well. Have you felt like it's been more pitcher-friendly than hitter-friendly? I feel like our early impressions were that it would be yeah. a easier to hit here, but... I mean, I think objectively that has been the case. I think the uh, I'd rather take the case of the whole season. So. Yeah, I, and I mean, again, it is it, it is early uh, early days, and and we know that there will be more uh, there will be more changes coming mm-hmm. in the off season. And Mark Shapiro back on back when he did a media availability in spring training did say, you know, that they will take a look at kind of how things. I mean, this organization, everything's a process, and they will do a deep, deep dive into this. The one thing I wanted to ask you, and I do not have the numbers, mm-hmm. but there's less foul territory now than there was um, before the stands were, were reconfigured. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm just wondering, have you talked to anybody? Has anybody said anything to you about whether that's helped? pitchers or hindered pitchers or i mean i've got to think if you're on the mound it's a it's a good thing to have uh to have uh more foul territory because it gives your 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 infielders a chance to get everybody. i don't know yeah, I, I, think, I, just I think the i think the pitching staff has done a really good job of not walking anybody when they do yeah, give up homers give up solo homers yes. right control the the outcome of an inning by if you don't walk anybody make them beat it, you that way right is there a hitter that has Whose struggles at home have really surprised you? Well, Vladdy, because of Vladdy, because of Vladdy stuck okay. at home. And that, but, like, let's, and, let's not lie. About and it. that would have been the same if the fences had been brought out, brought in twenty feet or yeah, brought Brand, back. Brandon Belt has don't hit any home runs at home. Uh, Springer hasn't hit a ton of home runs. Vlad, Chapman has, hasn't hit a ton of home runs. Varsho is an easier yeah. out. Like it's okay. They 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 got some eye opening issues at with, home with their lineup. Yeah, I don't even. I, yeah, I, yeah, it, it's both home and on the road. But when you just look at the quality of the at-bats, and this is why I mentioned the U Darvish thing, and it's coming off a good start, and the way he will – he has seven pitches. He will throw those anytime, and as many times – he's very good at reading bats. So if you don't like the slider, you will get the slider over and over and over and over again. If you don't like the elevated fastball, you will get the elevated fastball over and over and over again. So – that for me is the the inability to make adjustments for me because of the names on the back of their jerseys. I don't want to say it's confusing, but it is amazing how quickly teams found those. Right? I mean, it's amazing. Like, yep. I may it's it's just how quickly and I and I think 
Those are things I, I'm sure they can't fix this in season, but in the off season rolls around, it's obvious that they know now what every single one of these dudes can't do. I've wondered, I, I wondered how much, I wondered how much all those early season games against the AL East where mattered in that, you know, there's no surprise. You look at, look at the Jays lineup. They've been around for a while now, right? In the AL East, there's no surprises. Uh, I mean, God, you know, you added Kiermaier, you know what Kiermaier, everybody in the AL East knows what Kiermaier is going to add. I just wondered if maybe that, that explained that familiarity. I I think a lot of this is pressure too, right? Having Varsho, and I hate to keep bringing his name up because it's it's not fair, but him him hitting cleanup, Chapman hitting fifth, you know, the, the, how they had issues. Now Chapman had a really good month, but it wasn't with runners in scoring position, right? That's the thing, right? When you have not so many run producers in run producing spots in your order that quite frankly should never be there. Then it sort of shows up. And then the rest of your guys are seeing the exact same things that me and you're seeing and coming on this show and yelling and screaming about every single day. And then what do they do? They try and make up for it. They try too hard. They expand. They don't hit the ball the way they want to hit it. And then the balls don't go where they want them to go. It's a trickle down effect and it's a bunch of things. So, I just think I'm with you've been saying this forever. The lineup is incomplete. I mean, it's, it's now because I said this the very first day that I saw Brandon Belt hitting cleanup, and I couldn't believe that. I no, said this to you, you in spring training were, whenever we popped on the show, and I'm like, who's hitting cleanup for the Blue Jays? Never really thought of it until I actually walked on the field and saw it, and I was like, this, that's a championship cleanup hitter? So. I think this is what it was, and then they tried to make up for it by putting a guy that, quite frankly, should never be hitting cleanup. And then when he got a bunch of at-bats early in the season hitting cleanup with a bunch of dudes standing at second base, and then you don't have success doing it, and then everybody else tries to fill in the blank, and that's hard to do, right? It's You're trying harder. You're squeezing the bat tighter. You go outside the box. You expand. Pitchers are really good. They throw harder than they've ever thrown, and they have weaknesses. And then your lineup turns out to be 11th in slugging, 10th in total bases, 15th in runs. And then your GM's thinking about it. He's got to go out and get more hitting. Bob Scanlon is a former MLB pitcher. He's currently Padres broadcaster. The Pods and Jays are just a little more than an hour away from the second game of this three-game series. Bob Scanlon joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. takes on the biggest stories in sports the fan drive time with ben ennis subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Seven seven will be the first pitch tonight. The Jays and the Padres in the second of a three-game series Ooh. at the Rogers Center. One oh seven is the first pitch tomorrow. It's early. Chris Bassett. That's a, that's early. Chris to Bassett face against Blake Snell tomorrow. I mean, it's it's early. What tomorrow? One oh seven. Oh, yeah. for it's uh, basically show and go. That's you might have that. It's little, tough. You might have a cramp and a, a little issue in the lower back issue if you're if you're a righty hitter against Blake Snell. The more I think maybe 
Would would mm-hmm. Kevin Barker show up and go? Well, I was left handed, so I wouldn't oh, be playing anyway. Play anyway that's right. Unless Gibby would put me in right field. <laughs> you know the great Gibby. You ever played right before? Nope. You're playing right today. <laughs> it was a gut call by the Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel good about this. That's what he said to me. I think. Well, t- that's, that makes one of us. I think. I think. It, I think it could make. I think it could make your career, kid. I think it could make your career. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I played the big leagues again after that. Shy to be no, is going to join us in a few minutes. That's Bob Scanlon, Padres broadcaster as well, uh, joins us from the uh, press box at the Rogers Center. Bob, thanks so much for joining Barker and myself. Great to be with you guys. Everything going well? Yeah, well, pretty much. I mean, you know, I, things went well for the Padres last night. 9-1, I came out of the ballpark last night thinking, I don't know what everybody's been telling me about this team. They were winning games 9-1, getting great well, I, I want to know what Kevin Barker's been telling you about this team, because KB and I go way back. We've shared some clubhouse experiences together. Kev, how you doing, man? How you doing, man? How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing well. Great to see you doing some broadcasting, uh, Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Here, here's the first question. Notice I got. how quickly he moved on from that. Absolutely. It's been fun. Here, here's the first, because <laughs> of who I do it with every single day. Here, here's the question I have to ask you. Is, is Juan Soto... As a hitter, because you see him every single day closer than I do. I only see him on TV and break him and and like to watch him take eight pitch walks. Is he as good as everybody says he is offensively? You know, it's amazing to watch what this guy can do and getting a chance to see him on a daily basis. And we're starting to get to see the real Juan Soto, right? Last year he showed up and didn't hit the way we had been witnessed on the other side of the ball. We're like, what's going on? A lot of changes. He was still getting on base, right? He wasn't getting the hits, but still every night, two walks, three walks, still getting on base, still being an impact type guy in terms of putting traffic on the base pass. But this year we're starting to see the real Juan Soto where he's actually crushing the ball. And the big difference over the last few weeks is that he's starting to drive the ball opposite field as well. And as you guys know, that's always a good sign for Juan Soto. So we're starting to see the real guy that dominated baseball for for several years in a Washington Nationals uniform. And this guy's an impact type guy. You make a mistake up and out over the plate, he can drive it opposite field. You make a mistake on the inside part of the plate, he can rip it down the right field line. And in the meantime, don't even think about trying to to nibble on the corners with him because he's going to work the walk on you. Great patience, understands the strike zone, knows when to attack, knows when to take. For a young guy, I mean... Granted, he's put up some great numbers, but it's still impressive to me to see just how tough a, a plate appearance he puts together night after night, at bat after bat. He never gives an at-bat away and just continues to put pressure on the opposing pitchers. Okay, you got to explain something to me. With the names on the back of the jerseys that the, the Padres have that they can run out there every single day, how in the heck are they last in baseball in average with runners in scoring position? That, if you if you figure that out, let me know. I'll let the, the, the coaching staff know because that has been the question all season long, right? Uh, great numbers, great career numbers, guys that have experience, guys that have had experience under pressure, guys that have had experience in the big spotlights, and yet the running and scoring position has been an issue all season long. And I don't know how much of it might just be you've got some new guys on the team, everybody trying to prove something, right? I mean, there's still the human factor. No matter how much experience you have, when you come to a new town, when there's a new level of expectation, 
you're trying to prove that you can do it. And I just think that early on there were guys trying to do too much at the plate, understanding that, you know, second and third, I'm going to hit a 500-foot home run instead of, okay, let me just hit a base hit opposite field, take what they give me. And I think the pitchers on the other side really saw that. They sensed it, and they were able to just continue to go down and away, down and away, down and away. And our guys were just still looking to hit home runs. Finally now, in the last few weeks, we've seen a much different approach. We've seen a lot more looking opposite field, getting more quality at bats, not chasing after stuff on the outside part of the plate. So I, I think it's just a settling down that we're starting to see. But you're right. The early part of the season, it was just, what, what's going on here? This makes zero sense. But we're starting to see the real guys starting to emerge. And, again, I, I put a lot of it just on the human nature of athletes. These guys, you know, people forget they're not robots. Guys were trying to do a little bit too much early on, and I think they're finally starting to settle down. Bob, the Padres made uh, some roster moves before yesterday's game. Luis Camposano is going to start tonight behind the plate. I think it's the first time in, what, is it uh, three months that, 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 that he's played since, since his thumb injury? Yeah. Um, how much of that, how much of that, that those moves were roster, roster specific and how much of it was just sort of trying to shake trying to shake things up as much as you can on a team that's got Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts playing every day? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question, Jeff, and I think you're, you're on to it right there. Some of it was simply, hey, we need to make some changes here, right? Uh, obviously, there was a, an element of Campusano returning. We all knew he was on the way back after mm-hmm. his surgery. Yeah, the rehab assignment was over. Uh, Austin Nola had not been you know, putting up the numbers that we were accustomed to seeing out of him, unfortunately. So he got optioned out because they knew they had to make room for Campy being here. And Gary Sanchez has done a real nice job since his arrival. So some of that was just mechanics of, look, the guy's got to come off the aisle. He's ready to go. He's been a part of this ball club. We expect him to hit. He's going to get activated. But the other two parts, like you're talking about, might have been just a little bit of, hey, we need to shake things up a little bit here, similar to what they did with Nelson Cruz, releasing him a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think they've tried to be as patient as they can with certain guys, but at the same time, there's a sense of urgency here. We've seen it in the way that Bob Melvin has managed. We've heard it from the players prior to the the All-Star break. Guys understand that they have a hole that they need to dig out of. The, the, The clock is ticking. And, you know, some of this was just a, a message of, hey, we got to shake some things up here and, you know, we'll see what those guys do. We got a young man, Colby, making his major league debut tonight. So we'll see how that goes. And to your point, Compusano hasn't caught in three months. And not only that, but he's catching you Darvish tonight, yeah. which would have been impossible last year. But because of Pitchcom being in place now, you can actually functionally do that. So uh, we'll see how Campy does. Uh, hopefully his bat shows up and he can pick up where he was starting to leave off before he got hurt. Bob, you mentioned Darvish. And I, you look at his stats, and, and he has a plethora of pitches. You know that. He throws seven different ones. And, and you start digging into, you know, against a righty, he'll throw five or six sliders in a row. Like, he's not afraid to continue to throw. <laughs> if a dude can't hit, he's going to continue to throw it till he shows you that he can, he can do something with it. But I wonder ERA on the road. Now, he is coming off that good start on the road against the Phillies, but it's just it hasn't been real good. Is there a reason? Can you put your finger on maybe why? Is it too many pitches? Is it, you know, a lot of wear and tear on his arm? Is it both? What, what's going on with you, Darvish? Yeah, and I know you mentioned the road numbers, but to be honest with you, it's not been the same guy as last year, home or road. Um, and some of those numbers are a little bit skewed because of pitching in Mexico or <laughs> higher altitude than, than Coors Field. Um, but that being said, to your point, he's not quite been as sharp. Now, some of it, I think, early on was what went on with him in the World Baseball Classic. 
You talk about guys that are used to being in their routine. You Darvish is a big, strong, routine guy, and he did not get the reps that he needed in spring training. He was not getting the starts with the WBC Japanese team. I don't think he regrets the decision. He wanted to be a part of that club. Um, but at the same time, it definitely put him back in terms of getting ready for opening day. So he was sort of rushed, trying to get things going. So I think that was some of it early on. Then, you know, some of it's just not been the same fastball command in, in the zone and his ability to work out of jams when he falls behind. When you look at his numbers when he fell behind last year in the count, pretty darn impressive. He's the guy, to your point, dropping sliders, dropping yeah. curveballs, dropping splitties when it's 1-0, 2-1, hitters counts. You, you hitters are in the king position, not, mm. not against you, Darvish. But this year it's been a little more difficult for him. And I think part of it has been some of the fastball command not quite as sharp and also some of the breaking pitches not quite as the same feel because of the routines that we were talking about early in the season. He's been playing catch-up. Last outing, solid. Um, hopefully we continue to see that because when he's on, as you guys know, he can be as dominant as anybody. But, again, you've got to have the feel for all 11 of those pitches, and I think it's been a little bit off, especially when he's had runners on base and he's been in the high end of the count situations where in the past he's been able to take advantage of the hitter's aggressiveness. Bob, we do have uh, Chris Bassett here who has a, a plethora of pitches too, and the pitch timer has been sort of an issue. It's just trying to push at the right time, getting the right flow, having the right timing. I wonder, you, Darvish, any, any issues with the pitch timer? Yeah, you sounded like he is sort of trying to call his own game along with the catcher, so there is some back and forth there. But any issues with a dude that has that many pitches, you would think getting on the same page, you know, you're trying to game plan, the game plan's not working, that thing's still ticking, you know, you're in a hurry, you might throw something you don't want to throw. Is there anything to that? Yeah, good question, and I think early on in the season, again, because he got to the spring training late, he had less time to make the adjustments to the clock, and, and we saw him get a couple of violations early on. However, I think the pitch comp for him has actually been a blessing because he is such a thinker, and he is so prepared coming into the game that I think he already knows his game plan. I think it was probably more frustrating for him previously, waiting for his catchers to put down four or five signs before he got to the one he wanted. So in some ways, I think this might actually be easier on, her, on him from a mental side uh, because he, he knows what he wants to do out there. And, and the pitch comm, I think, has actually made that part easier. Does that mean, you know, there's still everybody's figuring out how to, how to use the clock, right? I mean, guys are still playing the games with that and trying to master that part of it. Um, but I think at this point, probably not much of a factor. I think the pitch comm is something he's gotten comfortable with and it actually helps him. And as we mentioned earlier, allows him to be able to work with Luis Compusano tonight. You mentioned Nelson Cruz a little earlier. There have been reports that the Jays might kick tires on, yep. on, on Nelson Cruz. They are looking for a veteran veteran bat to bring in. And it's right-handed. It's right-handed. And, it, yeah. it, mm-hmm. and there has been some, some thought. And I know they had an interest in him in the offseason as well. Uh, you guys got to see him this year. Has he got anything left in the tank in your mind? I think so. I, I mm-hmm. really do. I, I mean, I'm impressed. A, the guy takes great care of himself. And a point of that is not only was he still hitting, but the way he was running the bases, I mean, he was going, he was scoring from, from first base a couple of times for us. Now, granted, he was sucking wind when he crossed home plate, and the boys, you know, had the, the oxygen tank there for him. But he can still play. He still had some impact at bats for us. Uh, I think maybe consistent at bats might be helpful to him. He wasn't able to get those with us. We were trying to get Matt Carpenter at bats. We were trying to get Nelly some at bats. Uh, you know, Bob was trying to rotate other guys through the DH spot to get them off their legs so that they weren't getting overworked early in the season. Um, but yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Nelly's. Great guy in the clubhouse, hard worker. I do think there's something still left in the tank, and uh, who knows, he could be an impact bat for you guys from the right side. Uh, Bob, wish list August first. What what would it be for the Padres? 
Wish list for August 1st. Uh, I think there's three things the Padres need at this point. Number one, it looks like they're going to need another starting pitcher. Michael Walker is still having a little bit of achiness, it sounds like, in that shoulder. He's going to miss maybe his next start. So I, I think that the, the, the depth on the pitching side uh, is something that A.J. Preller is probably going to have to look at. You've seen what's going on with the bullpen over the last 10 days. Those guys carried such a load the first half because the offense never gave them a respite. Every game was close. Every time the guys came in from the bullpen, the game was on the line. Uh, so a lot of those guys are gassed at this point. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to add an additional arm. Now, they're going to get one in the return of Robert Suarez here in the next couple of days, which is certainly going to help. Um, but they might need a little bit more depth than that. And then final piece is maybe one more bat, uh, another bat coming off the bench to help Bob Melvin, uh, especially matchup situations late. So, Bob, they're not selling. Is your point? I don't think they're selling. I, I, I really don't. Now, obviously, if something tragic happens here over the next 10 days where they, they lose nine or something, then they're so out of reach of a wild card opportunity, then I think you have to look at some guys because we have pieces, right? Yeah. I mean, you got Josh Hader, who's going to be a free agent. Blake Snell, who's one of the, he's been so dominant over his last nine or 10 outings. I mean, probably the best in Major League Baseball when you look at his numbers. He could get a lot for him. Uh, if they wanted to, they could look at moving a Juan Soto potentially because you know, this is probably the peak of his tradeability with still a year left under his contract. So there are pieces if they wanted to that they can move, but I think they really don't want to. They really believe in this team, uh, and I think it, it, I'd be shocked. I mean, I, again, I think the wheels would have to completely fall off for that to happen. Bob, really good of you to yeah. join us today. Thanks so much, man. Great talking to you, Bob. Always great talking ball with you guys. Thanks for the time. See you, Take buddy. Care. Bob Scanlon, former MLB pitcher, former Barker teammate. I mean, God, just about every, everybody in baseball is a teammate of Kevin Barker. Bob's, Bob's a good dude. It's, it's I pitched for the Expos when I covered the team, and I can't. I mean, I, I, I remember that team, and I was, just, uh, I was surprised when Mark Boffo, our producer, said yeah, yeah. Bob pitched for the Expos, and I was – anyhow, I just – I think of him as a Cub because he, he, he pitched for the Cubs for so long. Sorry, it's it, well. It's it's interesting to hear other people say that Juan Soto would be maybe the first person. Blake Snail, those two are the the first people that other teams would call on. Bob didn't sound like that, right? It's it's sort of when I guess when you are all in. What like what what's it going to do? What would well, the, the only, upside of you trading yeah, if you to have, get prospects? If you have no financial pressure, yeah. you've got to make deals that make your team be a, better. There's got to be like, a point in it, right? It, it, someone pointed out to me, you know, yesterday at the park, we were talking about the Padres, and he made the case, look, the Padres aren't as good this year as people thought they'd be. But you know what you don't do? You don't go out and make moves that make you worse than you are this yeah, year. Yeah. And it, it and his point was, you know, it's easy to look at a blind and go, wow, we get rid of Juan, so we get rid we get somebody else. Who gets third? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it, it it is interesting. I mean, I think the the biggest thing that when I look at this lineup, you know, some of their complimentary players like Jake Cronenworth a couple of, Jake Cronenworth a couple of years ago, people were in love with him. Now he's it almost looks like he's just become a guy. Camposano, a lot of people like him as yeah. a catcher. But, you know, Trent Grisham, I, I mean, I'll look at the supporting I, cast. I, I, I don't know with the names, and you say the names out loud, and they are last in average. Yeah. Hitting I, with runners in scoring position. Now. Now. That could be. That could be that park. It's not, I don't think, a hitter-friendly park. See, I would almost think the reverse of that. When you're thinking big park, 
big part of the field, yeah, guess, yeah. think line drive. Doubles, you got a bunch drive. of really good dudes who know how to and they're you know, athletes, not swing so and not chase and not try too hard. You think they'd be double? It'd be doubles giant machines. weaknesses, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. The Blue Jays, right? I, you could sort You're of right. see the Blue Jays that are. 22nd or 23rd in baseball with average hitting runners in scoring position because they have obvious weaknesses. The elevated fastball is a thing. I just don't know if you see that in this lineup. It's intriguing. I, I They're one of the teams. We'll see. Uh, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. And a reminder, if you are listening on our podcast, please leave us a lovely rating and a review. We'll take it. We'll take it. Only the good ones. No. Uh, yeah. All you have to do is text the, the the correct. I mean, it doesn't matter even if you criticize us because we're not going to change. So all you have to do is text the correct answer. To our, well, yes, it's a solid point by you. <laughs> all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to five. That's no, all you have to true. do is get it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Text us the right. Let me let me get this out. Don't let it beat you. Just. See, it's just about to beat me. Text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to five ninety five ninety. You guys stop. Stop shaking your head. Nobody look at it. 590. Yesterday's trivia question and answer was before returning in 2020, the Padres had missed the postseason for 13 consecutive seasons. Who was the team's manager in 2006, the last season before their playoff drought began? It's the great man himself, Bruce Bochy. Best manager in baseball? Uh, manager of the year, no, I'd say that, Brandon Hyles, the dude Best in Baltimore. Best manager in baseball. And what's the definition of the best I mean, manager he's won so in many, baseball? You know, I'll say Is it the he, best players he's, make he's, you the best manager in baseball? He's won so many World Series. He's won so many World Series. I, I would go. Yeah, I'd go Boach. I'd go Cash. I'd go. For, thank you, Francona. Uh, Brandon Hyde to me is the manager of the year just this year, just because. I'm yeah. sorry, the American League manager of the year this year, just because of how how good uh, how good his team his team has been. Um, National League. I mean, I think you've got to look at Tori Lavello. Maybe Absolutely. maybe uh, uh, the dude in Cincinnati. Again, they've got a young team. I know it's a horrible division, but they've got a young team. They're hanging in there. Um, and and you know he never gets credit, but. Brian Snitker's the manager of the best team in baseball right now. Oh, yeah, he does so, have the best player. Uh, he does indeed. Anyhow, uh, Bruce Bochy, by the way, not the largest hat manufactured by Big Era. People will tell you that, uh, uh, or that New Era, Big Era. People will tell you that Big New Era, Era which uh, provides Major League Baseball's hats, that his Big eighth Era, and one-eighth hat is the biggest a, that, that has ever double, been produced. Dude. Not true. Kevin Mench, whose nickname was Shrek, eight and a quarter. Wow, that's a big noggin, and that was I talked it's to the ama- question about. Amazing. We used to have this. Is, we used to have well, this debate about what would you rather have: Bruce Bochy's head full of loonies, or, or that the only that the only homework that you do is that. Oh, it's right there. That's amazing. Everybody knows that Bruce Bochy is big. <laughs> when he was traded, he had to take his batting helmets with him, and they had to re. Seriously, true story. They had that's to the re- nicest dude on earth. He's a lovely man. He they is. had to repaint his batting his his helmets. Uh, for he took team. me out for a drink. He sent me down. He, he felt bad about sending me down. He didn't know. He wouldn't know me if he fell on me. He was. That's I, how bad he felt. I'll tell you. We had uh, it's a very, a very, band. very quick story. Spring training. I'm in Arizona. Uh, Bob Nightingale and I have gone out for dinner. 
Um, and and there, no, it was just the two of us had gone out for dinner, and we've gone to a bar called the Downside Risk, which is one of the great names for a bar. Tremendous. Uh, went Where's to, that at? It's in Scottsdale. Oh. You've been there, I bet. I'm sure. Anyhow, Downside Risk. <laughs> so we're in there having, uh, just having That's a couple of great. drinks, as, as one does, and Bruce Boshi and, and Kevin Towers walk into the bar. Wow. And they know, uh, you know, they know, uh, they know Nightingale because he's sure. covered the team forever. So they come in and nod and they come over and Do you mind if we sit and I go, no. And it was like two and a half hours of just sitting there, having some beers, listening to Bruce Bochy, Kevin Towers and Nightingale tell great stories. Oh, and the thing nice. I liked about it is they talked about a bunch of stuff and like they, they knew, they, they knew that I was an out of town writer and I interviewed Towers a couple of times, but it was like, they were just so, it was so convivial and like they didn't really care that they were talking smack about the team you were covering at that time. They didn't really care. They were telling you stuff about, you know, some of the players and the, the Jays and stuff like that. Anyhow, uh, I've always liked Bruce Bochy. Yeah. Lovely man. Today's question is to, to win like. tickets to the Jays and Angels down at the Rogers Center on July 28th. The downside risk is a good name for a bar, by the way. Which former Blue Jays player once hit grand slams in back-to-back games against Toronto as a member of the Angels again? bars. Which former Blue Jays player once hit grand slams in back-to-back games against Toronto as a member of the Angels? I like going out to bars when I was on the road. I like going out to see live music. I like going out and drinking when I was on the road. Uh, and I really enjoyed submitting expense accounts to the Globe and Mail covering it. Which former Blue Jays player once hit grand slams in back-to-back games against Toronto as a member of the Angels? Text the answer to 595-90 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Huh? That's not an easy one. Uh, you'd have to know which that. former Blue you'd Jays player once that. hit grand slams and back-to-back games against Toronto as a member of the Angels. That you'd have to think about that. That is really well done. I would have gotten it in about two guesses, but that's really well done. That's a good question. I would have gotten that one. I love this dude. Uh, nobody cares. I love this dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hate no chance. No he's chance. A, he's a great that. dude to uh, to cover. Twenty four fifty two. Don't forget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, it's two days in a row here. Like you are just, boy, you are on that. You're on that slope on the way down, and it is just. Woo, it's windy. Oh, it's windy. I was going to read a note <laughs> that is here. Are you done? I mean, you can you can host the show. Oh, if they paid me as much as they paid you, yeah, I'd host it. Those That's are facts. Not true. That's, That's just definitely. Huh? It's definitely facts. not true. It's, it's definitely a, not true. Facts. Definitely not true. More man. than I make. It's definitely not true. <laughs> uh, Aaron Judge, by the way, uh, running the bases for the first time since his injury and taking BP today in Anaheim. That from uh, Brian uh, Hoke and John Paul Morosi reporting that in Twitter. Morosi is in uh, Anaheim where the Yankees are taking on the Angels right now. So there you go. Aaron Judge running the bases for the first time since his injury. I mean, basically, they are nothing without him. They're an, they are nothing. They are. They stink. Take a look at the lineup they're Atrocious. running out tonight. That might be the worst lineup in baseball. It, it is. Can I, can tonight, I, tonight's can I lineup is out loud? It, tonight's lineup is, well, Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, teams that are supposedly trying, there you go. There it's you the go. worst lineup yeah. in baseball. Never thought I'd say that about the Yankees. If Glenn, they Glenn ran Torres is their best hitter. If the Yankees ran this lineup out at a spring training game, you'd be leaving in the third inning. To what go. happened to Anthony Rizzo? Where Where is he at? He hasn't hit a home run in like. There's a lot of yeah, a lot I, of like forever. What is going on? Shai Davidi is our MLB Crazy. insider with Sportsnet, and uh, 
What? What are you guys looking at? Because <laughs> you got you got fifty seconds. Oh, I could like you. Got, <laughs> I was gonna set something up. I was gonna set something up here. I don't need you guys getting on me about the clock. <laughs> right? Just so, you know. Just stop I'm not, telling him that it's twenty four fifty. I'm not. I'm not don't Chris. Tell him I'm that. not Chris Bassett. I can handle the clock. Shai Davidi is our MLB insider with Sportsnet. He absolutely is. Right? Tremendous job. He'll join us next. We'll get an update on Kevin Gossman's side session, Jordan Romano's sore back. Mm. And I've got another 10 seconds to talk. It's Blair and Barker. It's 624-43 on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Sportsnet 360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my goodness, we got breaking news. There is a tie. Is there a tie? First place in the AL East now. The Baltimore Orioles beat the. Yeah, there yes, it is. Yes, sir. The Baltimore Orioles. Wow. First place. Beat the Dodgers today. The Rays lost to Texas. The AL East standings are as follows. Drum roll. My Baltimore Orioles are 58 and 37. My Tampa Bay Rays are 60 and 39. Our Toronto Blue Jays are 53 and 42. They're only five out of first place. They're only five out of first place. Nobody's Boston Red Sox are 51 and 46. And the franchise formerly known as the New York Yankees are 50 and 48. Hmm. The Baltimore Orioles, ladies and gentlemen, your AL East leaders. You're shocked by that. Hands up if you ever thought you'd be saying that this year. I didn't. Yeah, not this year. Could see it next year, but not this year. Never thought. Never thought I would be uh, saying that, but there we are. Um, Trying to find the Yankees lineup here because we talked about this uh, before the break, just how bad the Yankees were right now. And they flashed the lineup up on the board, uh, the lineup up a couple of minutes ago. Uh, on MLB Network, and I'm uh, feverishly trying to find the Yankees lineup. This is, I've got it here. It's okay. Thanks, Marks. Uh, this is the Yankees lineup. Peraza, Torres, Stanton, LeMahieu, Volpe, your boy Franchi Cordero, Bader, <laughs> Higashioka, Cabrera. That's crazy. Again, Peraza, Torres, Stanton, LeMahieu, Volpe, Cordero, Bader, Bader, I was thinking of the Bader Meinhof gang. Google that, folks, if you're uh, interested in your uh, modern German history. Uh, and Kyle Higashioka. And then Cabrera. That is fireball. What well, that is. That's how GMs lose their job. That is brutal. That's not good. That is a brutal lineup. Is that Aaron Boone's fault? No. He takes the brunt of that. It's Brian Cashman's fault. Brian Cashman put the team together. We should mention the Jays lineup for tonight. 
Uh, if you are heading down to the park, you're listening, however, to us. Uh, Springer, Bichette, Belk, Guerrero, Chapman, Merrifield, Varshow, Jansen, Kiermaier, Barrios. No Alejandro Kirk anywhere near the starting lineup. I imagine he would be starting tomorrow. It's a 107. And then him and Bassett are really 107 good start with him and Chris Bassett. Yep. Uh, but there you go. Um, I did have a, uh, I have a question about the lineup for you, but I just I completely forgot. 416-413-3959 is a back leg line. I'd rather let the callers... Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather let the callers have their say than, than ask you the question I was going to ask. Largely because, as I said, I've forgotten about it. This, uh, the back leg line, by the way, is always open. It's a, we've, got, uh, we've hired a couple of interns uh, who are working for nothing, and uh, they are in the back here, <laughs> and they answer all our phone calls. I'm not talking about you, you guys. No, we, got, we've got, we, we man our phones 24-7. It's like an emergency line, 416 416- Four one three three nine five nine, and uh, our uh, a couple of our folks put together the callers for us. Dave and Collingwood, he called up. Dave, think the new batter's eye this year has anything to do with their batting at home? It's a lot different than it Ooh. was in previous years. This is probably a little fantasy trade pie in the sky. But what's it take to get Verlander out of uh, New York? Well, first question. I asked Kevin Kiermeyer earlier this year about uh, I was talking about how he played so many games in the dome. It was just talking about how many games he'd played in the dome stadium. You were asking about his glasses because he was played. He, yeah, he played yeah. a ton of games in the in you know, yeah. in, and he was talking about how easy the, the Rogers Center was to play in. I think Dave, if I'm not mistaken, he was telling me the batter's eye was really good at this ballpark. Um, I don't, I you know, I don't know if it's different with the roof open or roof closed, but I vaguely remember him mentioning, going out of his way to mention that the batter's eye was good. So I, 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 I could be wrong there, but it's there's there isn't that sort of open area that there was last year right because it's right up well, against no the fences there. now the, 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 the yeah. no seats it was a big thing when yeah. i was here in 2000 so, that was a whoever thought good of that good quite you know what i'm actually it's a great question that i have asked i'm going to ask somebody too dave well i've asked george springer that he said it's the best of baseball i have asked matt chapman that he said it was the best of baseball I, I and think i have Kiermaier... asked dalton varsho that and he said it was the second best in baseball and i can't remember the other one he said it was the best but yeah. everybody seems to love it. Yeah, I think um, was Philly was Philadelphia one of them. But I, I yeah, I vaguely, he said another team that I don't remember. I, I it was vaguely a long time remember. Ago when I asked that. I vaguely remember Kevin Kiermaier saying basically the same thing. So, yeah. uh, but you know, hey, no, it, it's uh, it's an interesting it's it's an interesting question. Uh, Justin Verlander probably wouldn't wow. take a great deal to get him away from the Mets, <sighs> but. And and Justin Verlander, we know, has said that Toronto was his second choice when he was a free agent here and that they, they yeah, yeah. had some interest in him. I would think he'd have to be pitching better <clears throat> than he is pitching yeah. now. Uh, you know, wait, let me ask you a question right now. Healthy Kevin Gosman. He's the number one starter if you brought Verlander here. Who's the number one? Who would start the first game of the playoffs? Oh, for me. Him Go- or Gosman? No, no, no. For me, Gosman. That's. That, that's a done deal. Kevin Gossman is a better pitcher right now than Justin Verlander. No, I, there's, there's I, no. I think the no only question. way you'd bring a no guy question. here like that is if he 
would be the number one starter the first game see, of the I can playoffs. See, I can see a team like Baltimore bringing in a dude like that because sure. Baltimore, he he's may way not. better than what they got now. Well, and and we talked about Baltimore. He's been there. He's yeah, done yeah. A, He's done a whole bunch of stuff. And I really think that's, like, God love Brandon Hyde and, and, and the Orioles. But, man, I, I just think they need, and I'm, don't, I'm like Kevin, I don't necessarily believe all this mumbo jumbo about, uh, you know, a clubhouse being important or anything like that. Um, but man, I think if you're the Baltimore Orioles, you could use a you could use a dude like that, or you could use a dude like Marcus Stroman, who's no just going to say, you know what, we're better than these yeah. guys, and I'm going to go out and stick it up there. You know what? Yeah. To prove it, <clears throat> I, I, I I wasn't joking when I said this on on, on Twitter about Marcus Stroman. If I'm the Orioles and that dude's available, damn no, right no I'm question. I'm no calling question. about you. Know, yeah, you yeah, think yeah. Marcus Stroman? You think Marcus Stroman's going to be intimidated in the AL East? Not no, a chance. No. He'd fit in good there. Um, so, yeah, and one of the things, you know, Alex Anthopoulos talked about putting the, putting the, Bra- the Braves together uh, a couple of years ago is one of the things you want to do, you want to make sure you're acquiring guys that your manager can use. You want to make sure you're acquiring guys who are playing well yeah, or yeah. pitching well at the time. No question. And hit the ground running. Yeah. Not a I, project. I don't know about... Uh, about the the Verlander thing, would I? Would Can Verlander I, even pitch five every five days? I don't know, but I'll yeah. tell you this: Would I in the off season kick tires in that? Yeah, I'd have a conversation. I'd have a conversation. I don't know what I'd get out of it, but I'd have a first, conversation. First thing I'm doing is looking for a cleanup hitter. That would be uh, my. That was an, that's an interesting question though about uh, about Verlander. For somebody will somebody will take Verlander. Like oh, no he, he'll end up. He'll end up going someplace. Um, I I don't, man. I'm just I'm wrapping my head around the thought about the Mets tying the can to him and Max Scherzer in the same. Um, I mean, it's two it's two first ballot Hall of Famers. Like you would, you would do that. One's coming off a World Who'd Series. You rather like, have? Yeah. Uh, I would rather have Max. I think he does better in the playoffs than Verlander. Verlander in the World Series. I, I'm getting one of those two. Because I think I can. Yeah, make we're not a talking about the run. Jays. I'm just saying uh, any, 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 seri- any team. Scherzer, you yeah. can make a serious run. I think he's better in the playoffs. As a whole, that means World Series. You bring in one of those two in, you think you got a serious chance of <laughs> going yeah. all the way, and you want that dude to take the ball in either game one or two, and you got a thinking pretty good chance of winning that game. Let me ask you this: serve. If you're the Jays, and we'll get shy to Vidi on in a few minutes, if you're the Jays and you've seen what you've seen from Alejandro Kirk, are you at all, at all, at all at the trade deadline? At all even thinking about maybe I need another catcher? Absolutely. Okay. No question. Absolutely. Okay. See, the, I, the Alec Manoa saga makes that real easy for me. Another catch. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because that, you know, that pitcher-catcher thing and – that's no longer because uh, they're trying to walk him through it, and they think Danny Jansen can do it better, and he's not hitting. They, uh, by the way, the Jays have made made a couple of roster moves today. Jordan Luplo was called up. Adam Simber's gone in the sixty day IL. Nathan Lucas was sent down. I, I mean, I'm going to say this again. I, I know we're talking about the last man on the roster. I, I just I don't know why Tyler Heineman isn't up here. I just I, that, it's not going to. He wouldn't have won the game last night. I I, I I'm just I don't know why. That, that guy to me has more utility than Nathan Lucas or Jordan Luplo or any of those dudes. I can't argue that. No idea. 
Um, I've no, no. The the, the no only thing I can think of is one place the outfield. There, yeah. Some of their outfielders get hurt occasionally. You might need that guy to come in late in the game to pinch run for one of them. If one of them gets hurt, plays the corner outfield spot. I suppose. Like it's security blanket. I suppose. Kahneman doesn't do that. I suppose. Yeah, I'm not going to make a big deal of it. It's just every time, and, I, and you talk to people around the team and they love him. I mean, he got a big hit in Detroit. And he catches a good game. Oh, Heineman. Yeah. Anyhow. I'm with you. Uh, as we mentioned, we're going to be joined in a few minutes by Shai DeVee. We'll get a uh, update on Kevin Gossman's side session. So if that if Kevin Gossman's side session went well, when does he start? Friday or Saturday. In Seattle. Friday or Saturday. Okay. And we already know Manoa's starting. He's starting Sunday. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? He started Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, you say he's getting the first or second game. Gosman will get the first or second game. I'm assuming that is you walk up to Kevin and go, which one you want to pitch? Yeah. That's, that's the way that works. Yeah. Um, that'll be a uh, very closely watched start, to say the least, with uh, with Kevin Gosman. Yeah, I was told it was precautionary. He's been good for a while now. Should mention this point, by the way, because we talked about Aurelvis Martinez making his triple-A debut last night. He did hit a two-run home run off of uh, off of the Tyler McGill. Sounds right. Uh, the pitcher with some major league experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was interesting hearing Jim Callis talk about Aurelvis Martinez and how, I mean, it's just a, and again, prospect rankings are, you know, they're, I mean, they're. they're, they're One organization thinks definitely you're a prospect. Exactly. You do. But it was a little shocking to have him just kind of say, that Aurelvis Martinez isn't, you know, isn't in the top 100 list of prospects. Yeah, I think, talking I th- about Brandon uh, Barrero and uh, and, uh, uh, and I think Ricky they're Tiedemann. easier. I think they're easier to figure out what they are and what they can be. Yeah, Martinez, do you have any idea? What I he got can no be? clue. You have I any idea no what position he'd play? No. Do you have any idea where he'd hit in the order? No. Do you have any idea if he could hit 240 at the big league level? No. Do you have any idea if he could lay off a breaking ball early no. in the count to get a Exactly. Do you have any idea if he could lay off a, or hit a elevated fastball to right center field? Do you have no. any idea? I don't know. I don't think they do either, and that's that's what it is. When I played, you had to earn those moves from one level to the other. It's not that way anymore. Like, it's well, what's, got, what's earning it? I mean, he's got to say, what, he had 17 and 40? I mean, that would have got you sent down when I played. Well, that's that's but, facts. But it's also, but you know as that's well facts. as I, you know as well as I do, they're, they're yeah. talking about twenty mattered. When I talking, they they've given him, they've given him a bunch of things he needs to do. Walk more. I mean, he's twenty one. Walk like, more. Uh, what, 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 you have talent. Walk more. Can you hit velocity? Make, walk more. Make better decisions. You know how this organization is. I, I mean, guess. it's pointless to talk about it's, that. It's changed. You've got a checklist of things you've got to make. You've got to meet in order list. to move up. There's I'm a sure lot of list. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, let's uh, bring in Shai Davidi, uh, Sportsnet's MLB insider. Shai, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself uh, so close to game time. Uh, what are folks saying about Kevin Gossman's uh, side session and his availability? Uh, I chatted with him earlier. He said he was feeling good, doesn't expect there to be any issues. And uh, unless something unexpected comes up, uh, be either Friday or Saturday, most likely in Seattle to start for him. So, uh, pretty good news for the Blue Jays in that front because uh, obviously everyone everyone knows the importance of Kevin Gosman in this rotation and the club. Shy, would there be any worry with fastball, with split finger, with throwing sliders? Like, is there a worry? Would we see 
more of one, less of the other? Is there a concern with any pitch selection that he might throw because of that? At this point, I don't think so, and I don't know. But, you know, I think what's worth noting is that he he suffered the the left side tightness, not on a pitch, uh, but as he was uh, running over to cover the bag uh, in that last inning. And so, you know, does that does that change things for him in his delivery or anything like that? I wouldn't think so. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's obviously pretty conscious about his stuff, and he, he's obviously not going to cut himself off uh, from an Arsenal perspective as he's taking the mound. So, uh, you know, it, it's possible, but I don't know that. I don't think that at this point that that's necessarily going to be a concern. Shai, what was your major takeaway from Ross Atkins' media availability today? I mean, a lot of ground was covered. We played some of the clips. Um, you know, I thought for a general manager, a couple of weeks, 10 days, or whatever it is away from the trade deadline, I thought in a lot of ways some of the stuff he said, I don't know if I'd call it revealing, but it certainly gave us a hint, I think, of, uh, of, of just kind of how broad the approach is going to be. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It was almost uh, like a pretty good setting of the stage both uh, from a, you know internal perspective, but also from a public one, and, and to to the other clubs in terms of you know, this is what we're looking to accomplish, and this is where we we kind of see how we fit. And you know, in terms of specifics, the closest things we got to a specific is you know the 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 cleanest ad from a from a position player perspective is a right-handed bat. Uh, the most logical ad from a bullpen perspective would be, you know, another left-handed uh, reliever. And if there was a way to add a starter who had uh, the ability to be optioned, that would sort of be ideal for them with understanding that tends to be pretty expensive. So uh, I think we got a pretty good framing of where they're at. And if, you know, you do a lot of reading between the lines this year, uh, but it, it doesn't sound like this is going to be the, necessarily a splashy major ad type of deadline. Uh, I could certainly be proved wrong on that uh, unless there's, there's an opportunity to really do something where you take something off your major league roster and have something replace that because, you know, the way they're set up, they're pretty set in a lot of places and that you wouldn't necessarily just bring in somebody who's going to take at bats away from the people already getting them and, uh, or in a major way. And I think once you kind of put yourself in that spot, then you're a little bit more locked into the group that you've got in place. Shy, I was watching Alec Manoa last night. He would get to two strikes. And a couple of years ago, whenever he would get to two strikes, he would rear back and you would see 94, 95, 96 because he could go to that. Can you have, do you have any idea or do you think they have any idea why he had 10 days between starts? You would think he'd be healthy, raring to go, letting it eat. Now, maybe location might be a little all over the place. Do you have any idea why, they, why he's not or can't go to the extra gear? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And look, it, it wasn't just last night. I mean, it's sort yeah. of been the story of his season, right? Like where... We, we, we've been talking about it really since spring training. Like, where's that extra gear? It, it's been there at times, but it hasn't been there consistently. And I don't know. I wonder sometimes when you go too long between between starts, you lose a little bit of rhythm, right? And, you know, that 10 days, like you mentioned, uh, that's a long time. So maybe that was a factor the other way as opposed to, to being, you know, a positive ended up being maybe a bit of a negative there. And so... I don't. I, I think if everybody's looking for that answer right now, 
Cavalry. Uh, yeah. they, they just like it's been a bit of a riddle. And I think part of what that does too is that if that's not there, then maybe the slider isn't there in quite the same way. And I think that's why I had the number in my story yesterday. I think it was like 34 pitches after he'd gotten to two strikes yeah. in and at bat. And, and for, for 10 batters, like that's not an efficient way. You're obviously not putting guys away if you're in that spot. And that was a big part of the story yesterday. I, I do think in some ways that the outing wasn't, as bad as maybe the numbers made it look. Mm. But at the same time, the fact that he wasn't able to put guys away is is a bit of a – it's something at least to pay attention to. Shy, he has one more stinker. What do you do with him? Great question. I, I think the one thing that you've got or you're going to have pretty soon, maybe even as soon as next week, is an option with, with Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah. And they haven't had an option to this point. And so I, I do you – is three starts enough runway or do you maybe give that a, 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 it is about wins, but it's also, you know, about if you can get Alec Manoa to a better place, that's helping you win, not just in one, one or two starts, but for the rest of the year. Right. Mm. And that to me is, is the conundrum because they need to get him right. Like they need to get Alejandro Kirk, right. They need to get Vladdy going the way that he can, because that's, as much as you can do other things around the roster at the trade deadline, those are probably the biggest levers that you can push along with having Chad Green come back and, and be Chad Green uh, and, and Hyunjin Ryu be effective. I mean, that, those are really the, le- the most effective levers that the Blue Jays have at their disposal. But how do you get that to, to lock in? You know, you don't want to give up because uh, you didn't just say what we've seen over the, the first three and a half months is, is going to be the tail. You know, Bobichette's uh, run from mid-August to the end of the season last year is a reminder that when you have really talented players, it can walk in at any point and really take off. So we've seen guys rescue their seasons with a good month, month and a half. And so maybe the best is yet to come there. Uh, but, but ultimately, those, those are the biggest levers that the Jays have to pull. And I think that's why you, in an ideal world, if you can, you try to give Alec Manoa a little bit more runway. Mm. Shy, really good of you to join yeah. us, my friend. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. Anytime, guys. Talk soon. See you, man. Shy Davidi, MLB Insider with Sports. I, I totally disagree with that. I, I, I've, I, look, it's not the other 25 guys' fault that Alec Manoa can't figure it out. I'm sorry. Like, it's that they've, they've clawed and, and done whatever it's taken to get in second place in a wild card spot. You try and hold that as much as you can, or you try and go a little higher to the first spot. What would tell you anything that you've seen from Alec Manoa that he'll be consistently good enough to give your lineup a chance? Tell me that. There's nothing. Not all season have you seen the velocity, the extra gear, the shape on the slider, the uh, pitches per inning, the two-strike approach. That's what you saw last night, right? It's Occasionally, it's just got to be me and you. I've had enough of this. Where's the 95-96 at? I'm not saying he's going to pitch at that, but when he was good like real good, it was, I got it. You remember the Tampa Bay games when he would chuck one underneath the chin of a right-handed hitter with two strikes and it'd be 95-96? When's the last time you've seen that? Why haven't you seen that? That, for me, I would just tell you that if Ryu comes back and you say Kikuchi is okay, Alec Minot, for me, is not pitching. Well, We'll figure it out. Yeah, and Down the the road with him. And the other thing to keep in mind with with Hyunjin Ryu, too, is 
you're not looking for velo from him. No. Like you are, there's a certain level you would like to see from him, but it's not as Weak if, contact. it's not, exactly. Yeah. It's not as if he can't get by if he doesn't have his. Location with the changeup, arm side. Like uh, it's, it, it is, it is. I think it's simple. Point. I don't think it's a hard thing. You've seen enough of it. Like it, it, sometimes you just have a bad year. Like maybe that's what this is. It's not your team's fault. That's the thing is they got some decisions to make here, and I'm sure it could be helped out a little if he has a better start. But what would tell you he's going to have that? Well, no. It, what you want, what you're the very least, what you're hoping for. Hey, what you need is him to give you a chance to win. I mean, he's getting what, to Seattle next time. What you really, oh, yeah, or it, the Dodgers. You you I, just I, again, if five innings and a chance to win. If he gives me that, then he gets a he gets the ball again. Uh, if if he doesn't, if he doesn't, then then I'm probably going with Ryu. And again, a lot of that will depend on 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 matchups. You know as well as I do, the khakis are going to want to look at Ryu and his, and opposing teams' bat paths, et cetera, et cetera. And that that you has have to, to be seriously a sit in here. down and talk yourself into letting Alec Manoa start. I'm like not, you got not like you got to really like force your way into nothing against it. You have bad years. Yeah. It's part of life. Yeah. Uh, that's it for us today. We will be back uh, tomorrow after the Jays game. It's a 107 first pitch. Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk tonight, immediately following the game. So why don't you join us as we break down what we hope will be a Blue Jays win. We're just a few minutes away from Padres and Blue Jays baseball on Sportsnet 590, the fans. Sportsnet, yourself a great night.